Good morning, Chillicothe First Church. I am delighted to bring God's word to you once again. As we focus today on the church of Pergamos, I want to bring before you my titled introduction, Giving Your Full Allegiance to Christ. I believe full-heartedly that Christ is calling us to surrender each and every part of our lives, everything, our entire being. And we see this in God's word, that God has given us choices. We're, we're not robots. We're not born without a choice to where we just automatically have to serve the Lord. We see in the scriptures in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, Part B, the Word of God says, choose who you will serve this day. We have a choice. And but as we see in the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verse 15, part B, we see the end of this verse says, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. So if we truly want to give our full allegiance to Christ and surrender our entire being to Him, as leaders of our households, we got to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will give our full allegiance to Christ. I want you to think about the reasons which you were created The number one reason I believe each and every one of us was created was to be in a loving relationship with God. And so we see this emphasized in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 as well as Mark chapter 12 verse 30. They basically both say the same thing. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 says... You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus said, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first commandment. And so we see then Christ wants every part of our lives, our entire being to be focused on Him, serving Him to the very best of our abilities. As we look at the church of Pergamos today, we're going to see in one way, they were really, really strong in their relationship with Christ. I'm talking, there there was a part of the church of of Pergamos where they were just absolutely rock solid in their faith. But yet there was some things that they needed to make right too. And so, Revelations chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, please stand for the reading of God's word. All these are the red letters. All of this is directly spoken. A divine revelation 
from John the Revelation writer, and he is emphasizing the words of Christ. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos, write, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give to him a white stone, and on that stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Thank you. You may be seated. So we already know, according to the book of Hebrews, that the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, penetrating and dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. So in the spiritual sense, we see that God's word cuts right through us spiritually and opens us up and exposes us to the day of light and what we really are and who we're truly serving. And here we see Jesus speaking then to the church of Pergamos. His words were as sharp as a two-edged sword. In this passage, the sharp two-edged sword represents Christ's sovereignty over every aspect of life. The use of the sword represents that it is Christ who has the final judgment and not the Romans. We see the sword representing Christ's judgment and his sovereignty over every aspect of this church's life. And Christ knew the work of the church of Pergamos, both good and bad. The same God that knows the work, works of the church of Pergamos knows the works of Chillicothe First Church of the Nazarene. He knows what's good in our church. He knows what's bad in our church. He knows the times where there's been gossip, backbiting, 
people doing ungodly things. He knows. He knew very well what was going on with the church of Pergamos. And to their credit, they, the church of Pergamos, would not deny their faith. Now, we think about this today. Today, for us, I think it's so easy here as of right now to follow Christ and not deny our faith in the sense that, you know, really, I don't think we really face that heavy persecution as of right now. Other parts of the world have. Pastor Ed's been talking about in previous messages. The day very well may be coming, but as of right now, I think it's pretty easy to stand up and say I'm a Christian. I don't think anyone's going to shoot me today for saying I love Christ. Those at the church of Pergamos, they weren't so fortunate. And one of their most faithful members, Antipas, great devout follower of Christ, And the presence of Satan was so thick in that region and where the people were worshiping. The Satanists killed Antipas for his faith. Now here's where the rubber meets the road then. You say, okay, then I'm confessing Christ as my Lord and Savior. I love Jesus. And hopefully each and every one of us can say that. But what if we've seen one of our most faithful members standing right in the middle of the congregation and being killed for their faith? That's a real eye-opener. And that's exactly what the church of Pergamos had to go through. Antipas being killed before their very eyes. And to their credit, they did not deny the faith. They kept right on going. They kept right on serving the Lord. Regardless of Antipas being killed right before them. And so I challenge you then today. What if it cost you your very life? I want all of us to be able to stand in good faith in the last days, no matter what kind of adversity we face, even if it cost us our very own life, to be able to stand and say, you know what, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, it was tough there. It was tough. But in this regard, the church of Pergamos stood strong. And you know what? We can be like the church of Pergamos in the sense no matter how tough it gets, no matter if our lives are threatened, no matter how much people make fun of us, persecute us, and say, what in the world are you doing wasting your time going to church? We can stand in good faith. 
I think back to the book of Daniel. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I think about how all these people were bowing down and worshiping to a golden image. But then there was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who would not bow down. No matter what King Nebuchadnezzar told them, they would not bow down. And in the midst of adversity, they spoke right to King Nebuchadnezzar and said, Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, let it be known that our God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace that you're threatening to throw us in. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down and worship that golden image. That's the kind of faith we need. The kind of faith we see from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throughout the church of Pergamos and saying, you know what, no matter what takes place, we're not going to deny our faith. And I strongly encourage you, church, no matter what happens in this life, never deny your faith. People have been killed before for their faith. You know what? Great, great rewards in heaven. No doubt in my mind. And this life, from a time perspective, this life, the time we spend on earth, earth is less than a drop in the ocean compared to all eternity. This life is fading. This life will quickly pass away. And even if we have to suffer for our faith, it will be very temporal and the rewards for doing so will be eternal. So again, we see to the church's credit, Pergamos, they would not deny knowing Jesus and their faith. But a few things that Christ had against them. Jesus speaks and he says, but a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel and to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans which thing I hate. And so I want to make this as clear as I can about this whole teaching of Balaam and the Nicolaitans. The teaching of Balaam involved seducing people. And I'm sure that it was very much so in sexual matter. The teachings of the Nicolaitans involved dominating the people. And we see it very clearly that Christ hated the practice of the Nicolaitans, how they were dominating the people and ungodly to the children of Israel. And Balaam informed King Balak how to get the children of Israel to sin by committing sexual immorality and by having them eat food that was sacrificed to idols. 
sexual immorality. This is something that's absolutely destroying our culture. It's not just something that's went on at the Church of Pergamos. It's not just something that's just went on here and there. For thousands of years, we've seen sexual immorality destroy people's lives. There's no doubt in my mind that many of the children of Israel were being destroyed and led astray and stumbling blocks because of Balaam and the practice that King Balak had taught them. And the sexual immorality that goes on time and time again. And I'm just going to be as clear as I simply can be. There is no other form of sex that God Almighty permits except between one husband and one wife. That's it. No exceptions. And I don't want to condemn. I know that our nation needs to get back to its purest form. Living lives of holiness. Withstanding from sexual immorality and sexual desires that run rampant among us. And we see then that the children of Israel, because they were led astray, They were eating food sacrificed to idols. I don't think there's anyone here that's eating food that's been sacrificed to idols, but the word idol really does stand out to me. And we got to be really careful as Christians not to make an idol out of anything, worship anything, and having anything that consumes us or means more to us than Almighty God. We are to have no idols before the Lord. Serving the Lord first, foremost, He must be number one in our lives. We see then the Scripture says in verse 16, repent or else. And those may seem like harsh words from Christ saying repent or else. But that's the harsh reality of this life. Repent or else. There is a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. And absolutely each and every one of us are called to repent of each and every sin that we have committed. And when we go and ask for forgiveness, if we commit the transgression again, all we've really done is said, I'm sorry, Lord. True repentance means that we do not commit the transgression again. So in Christ's words to the church of Pergamos, 
He called the whole church to repent and take a strong stance against the practice of the Nicolaitans. The church of Pergamos, it was, was called to take that strong stance of repentance against the teachings of the Nicolaitans, just like the church of Ephesus did. To the church of Ephesus' credit, they hated the teachings and the practice of the Nicolaitans, just like Christ wanted them to. And so we can see then Christ called the church of Pergamos to take that strong stance against the practice of the Nicolaitans and turn from their wicked ways. The sword we read about in this passage represents God's judgment that will be upon the entire church of Pergamos if they did not repent. And make no mistake about it, God's judgment is upon each and every person that does not repent. He already paid the ultimate sacrifice with Christ. So He calls each and every one to repent. We are to be a doer of the Word and a hater of sin. Hate the practice of the Nicolaitans. Dominating people, mistreating people, being a stumbling block to the Israelites' children. We should hate evil. We should hate wickedness. But make no mistake about it. Hate the sin, but love the sinner. And so as we see in the last verse in 17, to those who overcome will be given the hidden manna and the white stone. The hidden manna was a symbolic picture of Christ. Christ would give them strength and ability to sustain on their way to heaven. Hidden manna. And the white stone represents a judgment of innocence. When all is said and done, I'm looking for that white stone at the end of my life. The judgment of innocence. And so I want to leave you with three simple points before our closing song. In giving our full allegiance to Christ, we have got to be fully committed to Christ, not wavering in our faith whatsoever. You know, I'm sure we've all came to the place where we've came to church and we've sang that song, All to Jesus I Surrender. All to Him I freely give. 
Next time you think about that song, do you mean it? That's what Christ is calling us for. That's what He wanted for the church of Pergamos. That's what He wants for Chillicothe First Church. These things that He holds against us, sin within the camp, He asks that we would be cleansed, that we would repent, that we would surrender all to Christ and be fully 100% devoted to Him. The second one, second point I want to bring before you. Repent of all sins, never to repeat the offense ever again. Repent of all sins, never to commit the offense ever again. You know, I, be, I believe that there is power in repentance. I, I believe in our God being able to set drug addicts free. No matter how deep someone's went in alcohol, whatever sexual addictions, I believe in our God who's able to set prostitutes free. That's our God. And whatever the sin may be, Jesus died for the sinner. Repent of all sins, never to repeat the offense ever again. In our own desires, in our own flesh, yes, naturally we have that desire to keep repeating the offenses over and over again. But with the power of God within us, we can take a stand and get to the place that the old man is done away and the new man lives And we're renewed in our faith as Christians, repentant of all sins. And finally, the third point I want to bring before you. Be prepared to face God's judgment, point three. Be prepared to face God's judgment. The sins committed in this life and the flesh we take before a holy God in eternal judgment. We have to give an account for each and every sin we commit, every act of ungodliness. We have to answer for all of it. And there's nothing more I'd rather hear when my day comes, when I stand before the Lord, but to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter in. I long to hear those words and I know for myself in my flesh I am weak I am carnal but through Christ I am spiritual. I am an overcomer. I am victorious in Christ. And this year, this month, this day I want to grow in my relationship with the Lord. May we all grow in our relationship with the Lord. Serving the Lord to the very best of our abilities. Would you stand at this time? This final song, Cornerstone, Christ Alone. I look forward to when, when He shall come with trumpet sounds. Oh, may I hint and then Him be found, dressed in His righteousness alone. Faultless to stand before the throne, not have to face the two-edged sword, but to face a God who loves us 
who cares for us and welcomes us home.